0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of Backline Bank. Today, it's going to be pretty much very similar to the first episode. We are going to have a Premier League summary, a Liverpool experience, the Deep Darwin dive, and we've also got a top 10 list as well. And we also will have a blind ranking at the end of it. So without further ado, let's just jump straight into it. The Liverpool experience to start things off. Liverpool versus Burnley at home and the game ended 3-1. A lot better than last week, a lot better result. Yes, a worse team, but a win is a win and we will take the three points. We had five changes since the Arsenal game. Klopp thought he needs to change it up and he definitely did Although there was two people out due to illness, Allison and Gomez. So for Allison, Kelleher stepped in and Robertson replaced Gomez in that left box spot. Kwanzaa as well switched in for Kanate, because obviously with his red card in the last game. Endo back from the Asian Cup. Very good to have him back, that's for sure. He started instead of Gravenberch this game. And then Nunez starting, no worry about no foot injury and Gakpo back to the bench. And I can definitely say a bit of a stronger team than the Arsenal squad. Only big miss, Alisson, to to be fairly honest. You know, no no disrespect to any of the other players, but I think it was quite a a solid team we had out there. And I really like how we have Endo in the midfield that can just sit that bit deeper because McAllister, yeah, he can do the job, but he's just not that... Out and out, like that's not what he was born to do, kind of thing. He's more of the center mid box to box. So, have Endo in there, you can hold McAllister, get a bit more forward, in that I really like it. But sadly, something we got from the Arsenal game and carried it over to the Burnley game, we started pretty bad. That first half an hour, I would fairly say Burnley was on top. actually played really well. I was a bit like, what is happening? Like, I know Burnley, you know, the way Vincent Kompany is making them play is, you know, a very good way to play, but they just don't have those players. So, in that first half an hour, it definitely clicked. You know, they didn't get any massive chances, so to speak. You know, none that was like, oh, man, he definitely should have scored. But they definitely did have a couple chances and definitely you know, got me a little bit worried, which I did not expect at the start of the game at home versus Burnley. As I was saying, one of the chances they did have in that first half an hour, Amduni, a very nice chance, but Kelleher, a very good save. Klopp says he's the best second choice keeper in the league. <laughs> I, I, He's really good, and I do think he slots into a mid-table slash bottom half team in goalkeeper, but... I mean, Ramsdale's coming to mind, Fabianski as well, at West Ham, just that experience, but no, Kelly is a very, very good keeper. Then, after Burnley, dominating, you could say, maybe it's a little step too far, but definitely being the better side, that's for sure. Trent wins the corner and then takes it, sit in, beautiful delivery, Trafford, the Burnley goalkeeper tries to come out to punch or catch the ball, you know, just try to get a touch on it to get away. But sadly, his own player, Oshie, gets in the way of him. He just can't get any touch on it. And it goes straight past the jumpers, miss it. And all the way down to Jota's head, who I don't even think he jumped very high. It was just a little jump where he's just standing there and pretty much an open goal and 1-0 lead. Bit undeserved. Frustrating for Burnley, that's for sure. But as a Liverpool fan, we take those and hopefully that is what pushes us for the rest of the game, that goal there. And a very, very nice fact, with Trent's assist from that corner where Diego Jota scored from the header, he has become the all-time highest assist defender with 58 assists for a defender. That is a bit crazy to put it into perspective like that. Like, wow. He did, though, this is, this is the funny part of it, pass Robertson, who was on 57. So they were on equal, both of all time. And with that one, Trent just goes above him. Um, I'll look forward to the future games ahead and see them two battle and attack. And, you know, I'm sure if he... Robertson gets a chance to assist you know Trent will be like yeah I really hope he you know he gets it you know and so and so but I'm sure they've got that friendly banter you know in the dressing room before the game after the game like hey (laughs) I've got one more assist than you you know not trying to say anything of that and you know them trying to they'll push themselves um, to be better players and make better balls into the box better runs forwards Um, but also never forgetting they still have that defensive job. Then Liverpool finding their way back a little bit, playing to how they usually should be, not at the highest level, but you know, Liverpool doing the job after they scored their goal, but right before half time. And I was really looking forward to halftime. Like I said last week in the Arsenal game, that when we come in and we haven't had the best performance, Klopp gets the team going. He gets his team talk in, and the players really come out flying that second half. And I was thinking 1-0 up, you know, yes, good, but Klopp and I think all the players know that that's not their best and they're not very happy with how they played in that first half. So they wanted to, you know, just finish 1-0, but that doesn't happen. Robertson tackles Ramsey right at the end. He takes it out for a corner for Burnley. Brown takes it. And, you know, it's just a nice delivery, straight on Oshie head, who does a very, very tidy headed finish, a lot of power, top right corner, Kelleher, no chance to save it, and Burnley make it 1-1, fair play to him. like, to be honest, they deserve it, a draw at half-time, they deserve it, maybe they should even be in front, but... That's how the game goes sometimes. Not good news, though, to start off the second half as Trent gets subbed off for Harvey Elliott. Due to what I saw and what I've heard, a knee injury that the same one that he got a week back that kept him out of a couple games. And, uh, I mean, you know, again, no disrespect to Burnley, but we don't need to risk him. And we got a lot of big games coming up. So take him off. And, you know, that's the right decision. And it was interesting because, you know, not having any defenders, Bradley still, you know, unfortunately not able to get in the side. Father passing away that week ago. With Harvey Elliott coming on, this pushes Curtis Jones into right back and slots Harvey Elliott in the midfield. And, yeah, fair play to Jones. He did an effort at right back. That's for sure. Throughout the whole game, you know nothing special, of course, but for somebody who doesn't play right back and that is not his normal position to play, he he definitely did the job. And you know we needed him to play right back, and he did exactly that. Then in the fiftieth minute, the man who came off the bench half time for Trent Harvey Elliott. Gets the ball out on the right and absolutely drills a pass cross into the box, low driven and Diaz gets his head onto it and scores. Though, Diaz, not a lot of celebrations. I think he thought he was offside and to be honest, I thought he was too. You know, I saw the goal in, oh, you know, yeah. But, you know, I wasn't very comfortable to say that was definitely a goal because I did think. touch offside then VAR has a look at it it's not offside but just previous to that from Harvey Elliott getting it on the right wing McAllister goes for a shot and gets a little bit of a ball but also catches Ramsey on the shin putting my bias aside I believe that was definitely a foul and should have ruled out the goal Obviously, it wasn't offside, fair play, but, you know, 10, 20 seconds before Harvey Elliott crossing it in, McAllister did foul him, and it should have been, you know, ruled out, you know, for a foul, Burnley have the free kick, and it's still 1-1. But, I mean, we could talk a lot about this, you know, the little teams not getting as more VAR favor decisions go their way and the big, you know, top six teams do get their way. There's definitely been a fair few times throughout the season that it's happened. Things like this, they don't get publicized in the media as much because nobody, you know, really cares, you know, Oh, Burnley got robbed a goal. But say Liverpool get robbed a goal, you know, for example, you know, that Spurs game where Diaz was clearly onside and not given the goal. Everyone was talking about it and everyone knew it. But this, I don't think anybody would know it unless they watched it. So, very unlucky for Burnley and company also receiving a yellow card, the manager, which, you know, he's just saying on the touchline, it's a foul. It's a foul. And, you know, it is. And I feel bad for him. But the referee's like, no, nah, I'm you know, I'm not having him. Yellow card. That yellow also means it's his third and he can't be in the dugout against Arsenal next game week. Unlucky for Burnley, very much so. Um, when, when it happened and they gave the goal, I would be like, mm, poor Burnley, really. That's all I can say. But Liverpool still not playing their best. Really not one of their better games. Um, but Burnley stepping up. They want to... Get something out of this game. They've been, you know, robbed a goal down, so they want to make it equal again. The man who was in my team of the week last week, David Fafana, the man who came off the bench against Fulham to get two goals to rescue a point for Burnley, gets a fair few chances this game. Two massive ones, that's for sure. The first chance for Fafana is a ball over the top that ends up going to Quance's head, who just doesn't get enough purchase on the ball to kind of clear it away, and it drops down to Fafana, who takes a touch, has a shot, hits Kelly, you know, a decent save, but Fafana did shoot straight at him, bounces to Odebert, and sends it flying off target. Fafana's second big chance of the game comes from a Trafford goal kick, who boots it up the pitch, then takes a couple of headers, bit of a ping-pong effect, And finds its way to Fafana, who finds himself taking a touch and one-on-one with a goalkeeper, tries to curl it past him, bottom right, but just puts it wide. And to be honest, I would have put a fair bit of money on him scoring and definitely a big chance missed that he should have scored. And you just, you know, think about that. Two big chances, they're down a goal. It could have been 3-2 to Burnley if Fafana was in the same kind of form he was in the Fulham game. Right after Fafana's big chance, Kelly gets the goal kick, kicks it out to Diaz who drifts inside and you need to see it because Darwin Nunez is in so much space where Diaz just needs to slip him through the ball and Nunez will take the touch and finish it into the goal. But Diaz just doesn't play Nunez, holds it a bit longer Um, jota comes in for the third play plays jota instead which was definitely the worst of pass in my opinion jota takes the shot and trafford makes a good save although they do say trust the process and from that goal kick that trafford saved shot from diego jota robertson takes it who finds van dyke the back post who puts it down to kwanzaa who takes a nice touch to volley it wraps his foot around it And just misses it. So close to finishing the goal. Then from a corner, not too long later, from that chance, Robertson takes it again. Where, to be honest, a lot of the goals have came from corners. From Robertson's corner, it drops to Jota, whose shots blocked the first time. Falls back to him. Passes to Elliott, who does a beautiful delivery in the box. Finds Nunez's head. And Nunez with a very nice headed tidy finish just to flick it in the left side of the goal and put us 3-1 up giving us a very nice two goal lead cushion that's full time the game ends 3-1 and quite quite funnily, so all the goals in the game the whole four goals all came from headers i think that just shows attackers from both teams it just wasn't flowing properly You know, it had to come from a set piece, a corner, free kick, and Burnley playing really well and unlucky to get a bit more out of the game with the chances they had and so on. And Liverpool, you know, they get the job done. They get the three points convincingly at the end, but definitely not at their top performance, and you definitely wanted to see them you know, drop a bit of a masterclass, you know, maybe a 4-0 just to bounce back from that Arsenal defeat. But at the end of the day, it is three points. So we'll take it. With that win, that does put us back on top spot as City just had it for a couple hours as they played just before us. So we regain that position. Good to see Simicast come back on um, right near the end of the game, along with James McConnell and Bobby Clark. Good to see him come back from injury, you know, disappointing that he did get the injury in fact you know Robertson out that's his chance to step up and the, I remember the first game that he came in for Robertson it was pretty poor and he was thinking oh this is going to be a big lot Robertson out but no he stepped up those couple more games he played before getting injured against Arsenal giving Gomez a chance but no really nice to see him back and just giving us that more depth especially into the next weeks where a lot of games are coming up. And with the other subs, James McConnell and Bobby Clark, just putting them right at the end, giving them a few minutes. They might get a few touches. You know, that's just really good management by Klopp. You know, giving those youngsters a chance to play those couple minutes because, trust me, they will be loving coming on right at the end, just getting getting the appearances up getting a bit more comfortable with it and uh, very good by a club. Also, a new high attendance record at Anfield. The Anfield road end stands are nearly finished, not completely yet, but it was able to hold a lot more people today and I think it was recorded 59,896 people into the stadium. My man of the match and, of course, in this Liverpool experience, segment it is always a Liverpool player the man of the match even if we get beat 6-0 by whoever I still have to pick a Liverpool person for the man of the match so no uh, it's it's disappointing because it's kind of the same as the Arsenal game nobody had an amazing game apart from Harvey Elliott. that's that's who I thought he came off the bench and really changed it for us He actually only got given one assist, the Diaz goal and him crossing it into him and didn't get the Diaz one, you know, a little deflection by the defender, but it doesn't take anything away from him. In my eyes, it's definitely two assists and yeah, a game changer for sure coming up, giving us that more attacking threat that we did need and fair play to him. Good on him. The Deep Darwin Dive again same with the Liverpool experience so much better than last week played a whole game got the win and you know spirits are high that's for sure Um, obviously like I was saying in the Liverpool experience wasn't our best performance three points of three points at the end of the day so Darwin Nunez played the whole game got one goal for Nunez three chances created out of those three one big chance five shots two of them blocked two on target and one off target. He got 45 touches and also a yellow card. The only real chance he had in the first half was the one that did get called back for offside, but he was out on the right and tried to put in a cross. The ball was bouncing a bit and just didn't get a very good connection to it and just didn't find any players, but didn't matter because he was offside. But, you know, just to say that was onside, he should have done Should have connected the ball a bit better. Another chance, but gets called back for offside. This is the second half just before he gets his goal. Um, Robertson puts it across to Nunez, who just gets, you know, that little tiny touch just to try and guide it to the far post. But Trafford, you know, just makes a nice good save to stop it from going in. And that's the problem, but also the positive of Darwin Nunez that he is so quick. So he can split the line and get past the defenders, you know, burst through to get that through ball because of his speed. But then in some times, because he is so quick, it just makes it that little bit, you know, one foot offside and, you know, ruins the chance for him and the team. But I would rather him make that run and maybe be offside, then trying to hold a little bit and not get into the ball or the defender, you know, kind of holding him to not get the ball. So, you know, he just needs to keep playing it. And those chances when he is on side is good chances. Darwin Nunez's goal that he scored, I already talked about a little bit. But, oh, mate, I'm, I'm always so happy when Liverpool score. But when Darwin Nunez scores, it's just that, you know, bit extra because he is such a good player. He has such quality, such good high potential, it's just that final product that he's gotten a lot better this season, you know, last season you you, you saw that he, he is a player, this season you've seen yeah, he is a player and you just think like he's on, I'm pretty sure 11 goals and 11 assists or 12 goals, 11 assists, something like that. And you think of all the chances he has missed. Just think, for example, that Chelsea game where he hit the woodwork four times in a single match, a new record. So he's so close to that finished product and he's getting a lot better. Like I say, just imagine when he gets there because, wow, what a player. But at the moment, still in good form and it's good to see him pop up and get a goal. But like I have been saying, it's just that last final product right at the end of the game obviously we have already run it is like the 93rd minute Burnley no chance but he does get a chance Endo gets the ball given to him and he just does a first time hit over the top which you know Darwin like I was saying with his speed just sprints to the ball defender nowhere near him takes a beautiful touch to set him up but then for his shot he just kind of toe-pokes it and kicks it straight into the keeper instead of, you know, maybe side foot and curling it. You know, yes, it's at the end of the game, tied legs, but those are the ones where, you know, the difference between Nunez and Haaland, those chances at the end, he's going to score, boost his stats and make the team overall performance look even better. And once, again, once Nunez gets that, wow. But yeah, sadly, he should have got a brace, from that chance there, but he didn't, game's a game, we get three points, if I had to rate him out of 10, I would probably give him a solid 7 out of 10, a decent performance, Um, definitely not his best, definitely not his worst, but very good, and I look forward to seeing next week against Brentford. A bit of a talking point too here because, you know, after the Liverpool games, I usually will watch a fair few of the interviews of the games after. And something that came up in both of Klopp's interview, the one right after the game, and then, you know, his proper sit-down one, is the blue card, which this is where, well, you've probably heard about it, but this is where you might get it instead of a yellow for descent, you get a blue card. And, you know, just like Sunday League, it's a sin bin, you know, you have to sit out for 10 minutes until that 10 minutes is up, you can come onto the pitch and your team has to play with 10 men in those 10 minutes that you get sin binned off. So pretty much like a red card, but only for 10 minutes. Jurgen Klopp thinks it would have been like the Wild West if there were blue cards. And by, you know, the tone of his speaking and his attitude, it definitely you know, seems like he thinks it is not a good idea to bring to the Premier League. Same thing with Ange Postacoglu. He thinks it is going to destroy football if it comes in, which big words from, you know, very highly respected managers. What's my opinion? I think I think it's a bit silly. Like, we don't need to make the game more complex. You know, we've already got things like yellow cards that you get you know, for descent for, you know, borderline red cards, you know, you got yellow. I think you don't need to add another thing into the game, you know, another chance for referees to make a mistake and people be upset with their decision. But I do think maybe they should trial it. Maybe not in the FA Cup and definitely not in the Premier League, but maybe in a bit lower league and a lower cup, you know, maybe League 2, see how it goes you know, make a good assessment on it and then think maybe should we bring it up a little bit higher and see how it goes and so on because, um, you know, you never know until you try it. But overall, I don't think it's the wine. Back to the Premier League summary. Well, I say back because I do count the Liverpool experience as kind of a part of it, even though it goes for a lot longer and it's a lot more... In-depth, you could say, but Man City at home, 2-0 versus Everton. I mean, just routine. What do you expect? I mean, probably a few more goals. That's what you might expect. But Man City controlling the ball, dominating, and I thought maybe Everton could snatch a goal like they did last season, which the same fixture that was last season, Man City at home to Everton. It ended 1-1 with Harlan scoring and Gray scoring. But they just couldn't. Um, They got a few looks, but nothing major. And Man City just get the three points again. And like I said last week, they are looking good. They're looking like some steam trains. Like I said, Haaland scoring this fixture last season. Well, he gets the two goals for this game. After 11 weeks of him not scoring, obviously due to injury and obviously a few games of him not scoring, He gets two goals, gets himself back to the score sheet. In the first half, Doku created some good chances from, you know, his his play on the wing, beating his man and then whipping it a ball. But just nothing really came to it in the end. And, you know, just couldn't get that final touch on it. And I will actually touch on Doku at the moment because what a player. Like, I did hear of him before him coming to Man City. Um, you know, coming from R- Renez or Ren's, however you say it, but that is only to do to FIFA, to be completely honest. Yeah, I just know, you know, fast winger, and I thought him going to City, like, yeah, you know, good, give him some nice squad depth, um, but I didn't think he was going to be this good, you know, this good dribbling past players and then the. His final product with the cross, even his shooting as well, you know, cutting in. Wow, what a player and just a really good bit of business for Man City. In the second half, De did not start that game, you know, just to rest him. He is coming back from injury um, and Walker also coming on in the 57th minute. Gives him a bit of fresh legs going forwards and a bit more of ability, you know, sorry to say to Matthias Nunez and Akanji but just that bit of extra thing they needed to get those goals. And in the 70th minute, Man City not scoring too late, but, you know, they get there in the end. Alvarez takes a corner, it's headed by Diaz, hits an Everton player and bounces to Haaland, who just first time volleys it past Pickford. Very routine of what you expect from Haaland. Although it has been a 77-day goal drought for him, It was coming eventually and you would have thought Brentford game, he would have scored, but this one definitely, and he has. Then about 12 minutes later, Everton play their best bit of football in the whole game. Playing those passes, getting forward, nothing there, playing it back and they were looking pretty good to be honest. They were looking like City, but Everton, it it was looking really nice. But what makes Man City so good at it and other teams not able to do it they can't hold on to it that bit longer and they can't get that final product from it. So Ake manages to get a tackle in and keeps the ball then plays it to KDB who just puts a routine through ball through to Haaland which you would have seen so many times last season and Haaland finding himself one-on-one with the young Jared Branthwaite who I did my team of the week and I bigged up, you know, good inspirational young talent but <laughs> Harlan just bodies him. I mean, to be honest, I had a fair few looks at this because to be honest, Haaland hardly touches him. Obviously, no way to a foul. I'm not saying that. But it's legit the tiniest touch to, you know, just nudge him off and just makes it a 1v1 with Haaland and Pickford, which he just puts it straight past him. But obviously, you know, Haaland and Branthwaite going so quick. A little touch can just push you off balance, and that is exactly what happened. Harlan gets his brace and wraps up the three points for City. Good thing for City fans too, a clean sheet. Something which, quite surprising, hasn't happened a lot this season. This is only their sixth clean sheet for the season. Usually a lot more tidy defensively, but they've just been leaking a few goals lately. But not today, they do indeed get the clean sheet. Although City did win, just like Liverpool, teams, when they are at a such high level and they're playing those a bit lower teams, sometimes they find it quite difficult to play to their normal high expectation levels like they expect to play against an Arsenal or Tottenham, you know, a top team. But as I've said a few times, at the end of the day, it's three points. They're going to take it. Next game, we have Forest 2 Newcastle 3, right at the start of the game, 4 minutes in, Forest get a massive chance. A beautiful ball by Wanyi to Nuno Tavares who plays it to the top of the box to Morgan Gibbs-White who just misses the right-hand corner. But as you expect from Newcastle with their explosive starts, what Eddie Howe wants from their team and what he has enforced, Throughout him being there as their coach. Almiron has a corner, plays it short to Trippier, who does a beautiful cross to find Bruno Guimaraes completely by himself and just first time finishes it. What a volley by him. Put Newcastle 1-0 in front. Definitely an end-to-end game, that's for sure. Dominguez gets the ball and plays a Langer, through which his pace absolutely blitz Dan Byrne and gets one-one with a keeper. And Dubrovka closes him down, saves Alanga's shot. But a bit of a talking point here as well. Dan Byrne, should Livramento be starting in front of him? Against Luton, I can't remember specifically who it was. I think it was Adebayo who was on him and absolutely just ruined him for pace and bullied him a little bit. And Alanga has done the same this game. So questions are to be asked. Livramento above Dan Byrne. Personally, I really like Dan Byrne. You know, he's just that player who you always expect a 7 out of 10 and 8 out of 10 performance. Um, Obviously, the past couple games, it's been a bit lower than his standard, but the question definitely has to be asked. Once again, Alanga using his pace to absolutely run past Dan Byrne. He gets on the end of a beautifully weighted time ball by Gibbs-White, which gives Alanga an opportunity to shoot first time, which he rolls on the ground past Dubrovka and Newcastle find themselves a bit shocked of how this game is going, very end-to-end and it's 1-1. Then, a couple minutes before half-time, Trippier takes a free kick on the halfway line and sends it into the danger area. It takes a bounce and Botman heads it across the box and it falls to Shah, who side-foots it into the corner to give them the lead again, much to Forrest's demise. And just when you think that is all for the half, the ball is played out to the left to hudson Odoi, who plays a nice one-two with Dominguez and takes a shot that deflects off Lewis Miley and completely wrong-foots Dubrovka, giving him no chance to save it. With that goal, they end the half 2-2, and it's pretty fair, to be honest, very end-to-end game and deservedly, a draw at the moment. Right at the start of the second half, Forrest gets a beautiful chance. Yates plays a one you through and with a far post side netting finish, gives them the lead. Oh no, it doesn't. He is just a foot offside. It was a good finish, a very good finish, regardless, but Yeah, very clearly offside, sadly, by him. But good start for Forrest coming right out the gate. With Forrest's dominance, Matt Sells, the keeper on home debut, gets a ball passed back to him. He plays a long ball over the top to Awanyu, who gets on the end of it, takes a bad touch, then tries to shoot but can't, and then goes down looking for a pen with the keeper, getting a slight touch on him. It's a tough decision. It's one of those calls where... It can go either way. I couldn't make a definitive answer on it. It's just definitely one of those ones where if the referee says it's a penalty, it's a penalty. And if he says it's not, it's not going to be. And that VAR is not going to overturn what the referee says. Just after a one-year penalty incident, Newcastle go forward. But then Forrest gets it back, tries to play out. But a Langers pass gets cut out by the big man Bruno Guimarej. He intercepts the ball and on the run, he takes a shot on the edge of the box and fires an absolute rocket into the bottom left corner, giving Newcastle the lead for the third time of the game and getting his brace. Forrest have a few more chances for the rest of the game. Two massive chances right at the end of the game. One by Alanga who drives with the ball past a couple of plays into the box, tries to cut it back, but Dan Byrne blocks it, and then Newcastle's clearance goes straight to a Forest player that plays it just inside to Gibbs-White, who has a shot, trying to curl it top right, and just misses wide, but that is not all, they have a one last chance, Tavares whipping it in, right at the end of the game, this is the last chance they have to Origi, but gets headed out by a Newcastle player, and that is the game, Forest a bit unlucky to not get a point out of the game. Newcastle, bit lucky to get the three points. And they will absolutely take that away from home. Luton won Sheffield United three. A result I did not see coming. A big six-pointer game. Um, Luton with the form they have been having. Definitely the favourites. And at home as well, you would have thought they would just roll past Sheffield United to be honest but that was not the case at all. Sheffield start off with a big chance, a long ball falls to McAtee in the box who should score but puts it wide and in the chance he had, definitely you would have thought he would score to give them the lead very early on. Five minutes into the game, Norrington Davies subbed off to what looks like to be an injured knee and quite sad for him as he has just came from alone at stoke back at sheffield and start to play more often getting into the team but this might put him out for a little while and another bummer for him he also was loaned to luton as well so it would have been nice for him to play against his old team but sadly he had to get subbed off 28th minute archer gets the ball from a header by Souza. And with the goal at his mercy, like I'm saying, anybody who plays football should score from that chance, but he somehow misses the target. Like, I cannot put it into enough words. I cannot believe he has missed from there. Like, wow, I'm scoring from there. (laughs) don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but I'm definitely finishing that. But luckily for Archer, a minute later, he makes up for his mistake and shows why he is a Premier League player. He gets the ball on the left side, beats Osho and just dribbles in the box and has an easy finish past the keeper and what a way to make amends. Definitely not as easy of a chance as his first one that he missed but he gets his goal, put him one nil in front early on. Then five minutes later after Archer's goal, VAR has a look at a handball by Burke from a corner, and it's unlucky because you know the ball comes in from a corner and Susie just fires the header and it just goes straight to his hand. There's nothing he can do. You know he's jumping. He's got his hands up a bit. You know trying to get a bit of contact on the player and. Yeah, unlucky for him. It's definitely a penalty though. So, McAtee takes a pen and slots it bottom right to give Sheffield a perfect start, you could say, putting him 2-0 up against Luton. Then, start of the second half, what happens to Luton in the first half happens to Sheffield. Adebayo from a corner, headers the ball and hits Souza's arm. The man who headed it into Burke's arm is on the other end of it and gives away a pen. So Morris takes it and scores it. He puts it bottom right, just like he did the two times last week. Obviously only one of them counting as one of them the referee wasn't ready, but Luton doing exactly what they needed in the second half, getting the first goal to put him back into it. Then, in the 70th minute, Souza wins the ball, plays it to Archer, who drives with it. Osho takes him. Osho tackles him, but it's a bit of a mess. Goes to Osborne, who plays it to the man who started it. Souza, who takes a touch and rifles it far post into the goal straight past Kaminsky and giving them their two-goal lead back. Near the end of the game, Luton have a nice chance, you know, a few neat little touches. Townsend whips the ball to Woodrow, who headers it across to Adebayo, but he just can't get it, and Foddering claims it before he gets a chance. So it ends 3-1 to Sheffield United away from home. Definitely, I don't think anyone saw this coming. A big win for Sheffield to keep their hopes of survival in the Premier League alive. With those three points, Sheffield won. Now they only need seven more points. You know, obviously expecting all the other teams above them to not win a game, need seven more points to get out of the relegation zone. Wolves nil, Brentford 2. A big clash between the two teams. I'd say both on similar level, Wolves been a bit better this season, but Brentford with Tony back and playing pretty well, Maupi in form, definitely a very good matchup and Brentford getting the better of them away from home. First big chance of the game goes to Brentford from a misplaced pass by Jose Sar where Collins intercepts it and plays Malpie the man in form, but the keeper makes up for his misplaced pass and saves it. From that save, Brentford take the corner and it's played short, played into Malpai, who is completely free and just can't guide it far enough into the side and Saar does another nice save. And not good news for Wolves. 20 minutes in, Cunha gets subbed off due to a knee injury that he got from a tackle by Janelt who... Doesn't do much contact, but it's more of Cunha just in an awkward position with him falling down and has to get subbed off with a knee injury and and not looking good for Wolves. The man who got a hat-trick last week and can't continue for the rest of the game. Right after Matthias Cunha's substitution, Brentford have a great chance. They've got the ball on the right. They switch the play out to the left to Regulon, who sends a darting low ball across the box. Yanel can't get there, and the ex-Wolves man Collins also tries to get there, but can't. Aitnuri does well to try and kick it out, and goes to Rorozov, who puts his laser through it and misses the target. Should hit the target minimum, but sends it wide. Then a bit later, Brentford get another corner taken by Regulon, and puts it into the six-yard box. And Norgard absolutely fires the header home and gives Brentford the. Well deserved lead. Right before half time, Sarabia whips in a nice cross to Neto and fires a header towards goal. But Flecken, the man in form from last week, 12 saves against City, pulls off a brilliant save to keep their team 1 0 in front. Second half, Wolves do score. Dawson with a header, but VAR has a look at it and it is indeed offside. And it's so unlucky. I'm talking millimetres just off. So still 1-0 to Brentford. 77th minute. This second half has been all Wolves. But Yenout manages to win the ball back and plays a 1-2 with Jan Malik, the substitute. And Yenout plays a ball to Tony and he has a first time finish in the corner. Definitely against the run of play. But Tony coming back, getting goals and putting Brentford 2-0 in front and late on Wolves still had a chance to get two goals, maybe scratch something from the game, but they do not. With the win for Brentford, they're definitely looking good with Tony back. Malpine form, like I have been saying, they're now six points clear from the relegation zone. I didn't actually realize how low they were in the table, but hopefully this end of the season because I actually I do like Brentford. They're a good team and I really like Ivan Toney. They get in their form and finish the season well. Spurs 2, Brighton 1. Right near the start of the game. 15 minutes in, Brighton have the ball in the box. A couple of short passes. It gets to Welbeck and Van de Ven just tries to get the ball but gets his foot instead and Brighton get a penalty which... Pascal Gross steps up to takes it and puts it to the left and scores. A good start for Brighton. A few minutes later, though, Richarlison gets played the ball in by Madison and is one on one with the keeper, but still makes a good save. And Werner can't produce a good enough shot. For from the rebound. Spurs looking a lot more of an attacking threat now with Richarlison playing in Madison who takes a shot out of the box and doesn't miss by much. Just like the Forest Newcastle game, this is a very end-to-end game with very two good teams. Then in the second half, Spurs starting to dominate. Uh, Kulisewski gets the ball on the right side Halfway between the 18-yard box and the halfway line, who plays a nice through ball to Pepe Star, who came back from the AFCON, tries to cut it back, but Dunk just gets a touch on it, makes the ball hit onto the post, bounces back to Sa, who finds himself with a nice easy open goal finish as the keeper still came out expecting, you know, the cutback, trying to stop it, but with Dunk's touch which, unluckily for Dunk, hits the post instead of going out, but also could say lucky for him not scoring an own goal. Right after that goal by Brighton, Spurs need something to come back. So they sub on Son, coming back from the Asian Cup to give him that more attack and threat, and they definitely need it. And what do you know? Richarlison plays Son on the left right at the end of the game, 96th minute Son plays a nice low cross, finds Brennan Johnson at the end of the box and he taps it in to score and win them the game 2-1. A bit unlucky for Brighton, just can't hold on but it just shows how much Son means to the Spurs team and they've definitely missed him when he's been off to the Asian Cup. Spurs now 7 points off the top sitting 4th, in my opinion Definitely no chance to win the league, but they've looked good this season. Ange Postacoglu coming in, implying his way of playing football and looking very decent. Fulham 3, Bournemouth 1. Fulham actually haven't been Bournemouth since April 2019. So a few years and you'd think, you know, them both being Premier League, Playing each other a fair few times, that they would have done the job, but this time, good on them, they did the job. Um, just before the game started, Bournemouth was on 27 points and Fulham was on 26. So with that win, it put them ahead by two points. Five minutes in, Fulham's. Five minutes in, Fulham score thanks to Decadova Reed. Fulham had an attack, Muniz crossed the ball along the ground and Bournemouth's cook intercepts it, looks up to play the ball and just slips and with Bobby right in front of him, just takes the ball and shoots it right in the corner, a gift for Fulham to give them the early lead. Four minutes later though, Willian has the ball on the left, does a nice one-two with Canny and sprints to receive that two in a good position, shoots. But Neto makes a fabulous save to keep it from crossing the line. And I actually want to touch on Willian for a second. He is 37. And after his bad spell at Arsenal, I thought his Premier League career was over. Him moving to the Brazilian League with the Corinthians, I thought, yeah, I'm never seeing him in the Prem. You know, he was good for Chelsea, but stank the gaff up at Arsenal but since coming to Fulham, he has been very well. A good decision by Fulham for getting him back in the pram as he is doing masters down that left-hand side. And just when Bournemouth are getting themselves back in the game, Willian, the man I was just speaking about, whips in the ball to the back post to Dekadova Reed, who headers it across and Muniz is able to get a toe on it and score. Absolute striker instinct. I think it was a bit of lack of communication by Neto and Zarbanyi, <laughs> This this is a tough one to, to pronounce. And Zalbanye, the Bournemouth centre back. I don't know if I said that right, but apologies. Um, they kind of just left it for each other. Um, the centre back, Bournemouth centre back that I can't really pronounce. I think should have just cleared it with all these defensive goalkeeper or who should do it errors. I just put it down to the centre-back because I just think, put myself in it, I just think when in doubt, you should just kick it out. You know, I just think Van Dijk in the Arsenal game, should have kicked it out. Same with Saliba and same in this game here with Zarbanyi. Start of the second half, Fulham opposes such a threat down the wing with Reed and Willian, Robertson and Kassanya which leads straight into the second half, where Fulham started, where they finished off, with Willian cutting inside, taking a shot, but a good save by Neto again. But good news for Bournemouth, they get the goal they need to get themselves back in the game. A corner from Tavernier finds Dominic Solanke, back post, who puts it down to Senesi, who takes a nice touch, has a spin, and smashes it into the net to give Bournemouth a bit of hope to getting something out of this game. But that hope is taken away straight away. They say responses are key. You've got to bounce back after conceding. And that is what Fulham did. Canny gets the ball on the left and drives with it and cuts in. But passes it back out to William, who plays a nice cross. Past all the Bournemouth defender to find Mooney's back post. Who has a volley and rifles it into the top of the net. Right after Bournemouth scores to make it 2 1 to give them that hope I just said back into the game, but Bournemouth take it away, they rip it away and make it 3 1. Bournemouth try to fire back into the game, they have so many shots. They had 18 more shots than Fulham, 25 in total, but only four of them on target, and it just shows they just couldn't find the back of the net. A lot of chances. lot of shots, but no goals coming from it, bar one. Like I said last week, West Ham, Man United, two inconsistent teams, bit of an inconsistent matchup. This game right here, another inconsistent matchup with Bournemouth and Fulham. Both teams where I think they can get just above that mid-table, but they just can't get consistent enough to do so. So the game finishes, Fulham three, Bournemouth won. Wow. Talk about defeats. West Ham nil at home versus Arsenal who got six goals. West Ham looking confident into the game, looking to do the double in the Premier League against them, which they haven't done in 17 years. They bet him. They bet him at the Emirates. They bet him at the Emirates, and I expected a pretty close game. But I woke up and saw the scores. I saw 6 0. I went, wow. Quite funny to me saying last episode, me not worrying about Arsenal winning the league because I just don't see it happening, and then batter West Ham away from home 6 0. Arsenal definitely the team in form out of all the Premier League teams. Man City have been on a good streak, haven't played that well against Everton. Same with Liverpool, not playing as good against Burnley, but Arsenal dominating West Ham. Although it did take Arsenal 30 minutes until their first goal, but once they got it, the next 15 minutes, four goals went in. The first goal was by Saliba, a corner taken by Rice and straight on his head and scores. The second one, Trossard plays a dime of a ball over the top to Saka who runs onto it, into the goal, takes it past Ariola, but Ariola tries to stop Saka from getting past him and gives away a penalty and gets a yellow card for his actions. So Saka wins it and he takes it and with no doubt at all scores it right side to nil. Also with that sack of goal, that is his 50th goal for Arsenal and makes him the youngest player to do it for Arsenal. The third, Declan Rice has a free kick on the left, whips it, curling, attacking ball and Gabriel has an easy tap in on the head. I know it happens so quick and it really would have been a bit of a gamble for Ariola to come out but I do think if he did come out, he would have got a Got a punch on it. Gabriel not getting his head on the ball and scoring. But like I said, the ball whipped in ferociously. So much power. And it's very split-second details of what he should do or not. Sadly for West Ham, 3-0 down. Then for Arsenal's fourth goal inside 15 minutes. Odegaard passes to Trossard, who's in the box. Does a little feint. To get the ball across him on his right foot and scores top right. Not a good last 15 minutes to end the first half for West Ham. Definitely one to forget. But for Arsenal, one to remember. Very ruthless and putting the game to bed in the first half. But Arsenal still score two more goals in the second half. 62nd minute, Odegaard passes to Saka which Saka just glides into the box, a bit like Trossard's goal. It does a little feint, drop of the shoulder, gets it past the Gwerd, and Saka just fires it bottom left, giving Areola no chance. Poor defending by Gwerd there, but I do understand it is very difficult to defend players like Saka, so much skill, so quick, and that makes it 5-0. Two minutes later, a crazy goal. Ben White has the ball in the box and plays it back out. Odegaard and Trossard, similar distance away from the ball, both leave it for each other. So neither Odegaard or Trossard gets the ball. But Declan Rice is running onto it, the ex-West Ham player, and scores an absolute stunner from well outside the box. Wow, what a finish. He got booted at the start of the game and showed everyone why he's worth more than $100 million. He ends up with the game getting two assists and a goal. What a statement made by Arsenal after beating the big boys on top Liverpool and continuing their very good form by thrashing West Ham six goals to nil. Palace 1, Chelsea 3. This was one of the games I watched. As for my time, just as last week for Man City Brentford, this game, Palace v Chelsea, started at 7 in the morning. So it's a nice time for me. I can get up and watch it while I'm getting ready for school. And the first half, Chelsea was very dominant in possession. But they were just unable to get shots away. They only finished with one shot, I'm pretty sure, at the end of the first half and it was off target, to Palace's seven shots as they would counter-attack when they get the ball and it worked for them, finishing the first half with them one nil up with a beautiful goal by Lerma, put the laces through it, outside the box, top right finish, that is what you like to see. But Chelsea start the half off well with Gallagher scoring early on with a nice cutback by Gusto. Chelsea then proceed to dominate the second half. Palace have some chances, but not a lot. And Chelsea keep trying to get that goal, that breakthrough goal to put them ahead of Palace. And it's quite funny because I had to stop watching the game around the 75th minute to go to school. And during it, you know, after the, after the game is finished, I looked at the scores and I was like, Ooh, what do I reckon it will be? I thought, to be honest, I reckon we'll stay 1-1. And I look at it and I see 3-1. Wow. Two late, late on goals to win it for Chelsea. Another goal by the man, Gallagher, to put him in front. A nice finish outside the box. And after that goal going in, Palace trying to go forward, trying to be very attacking to get a goal back to win a point and just lose the ball. And Enzo Fernandez gets a late goal. A good thing with both of those goals though, Cole Palmer getting assists for both of them. I got him on my FPL team, so nice points for him. Definitely Pochettino gets some breathing room with that win over Palace, 3-1. The final game for the Premier League summary, Aston Villa one Man United 2. Very good win for Man United. Brasmus Hoyland getting a goal early on, assisted by Harry Maguire. In the second half, 67th minute, Douglas Louise scores. And then, right at the end of the game, who else but the man off the bench, Scott McTominay, the person who comes on and just manages to find late minute goals. In the 86th minute, he scores. The goal assisted by Diego Dallo, And that win, just putting Man United five points behind Villa in sixth place. Villa in fifth. I apologize for this game. I don't have much notes on it. And I'm running out of time recording this. So I'm just going to move on to the team of the week. My team of the week this game week. Game week 24, one thing I did see from Aston Villa v Man U, Onana made a lot of saves and some good ones there. So straight away, for my goalkeeper spot in my team of the week is Onana. Eight saves and got man of the match for Man United. Well, at least on FootMob anyway, because that's where I look at all my stats. The formation I am running to is... (laughs) a bit of a a tricky one. I've got a bit of a 3-4-3. A lot of midfielders did well this game week, I thought, so I needed to put him in, and that is a formation to fit him in. So, the three defenders, the three center backs I have put in is Saliba, Gabriel, and Collins. I'll start off with Saliba and Gabriel. I mean, clean sheet, a big 6-0 win. I mean, They didn't have to do a lot of defending, but when they did, very solid, both with a goal, so they deserve to be in my team of the week. The other centre-back, Collins, well-deserved, very solid, a clean sheet against his former team, you know, Brentford going to Wolves' place and not conceding, and it was a thanks to obviously their whole back line, but Collins in particular, I thought, played really well. Then, in my midfield. Now, I'm not gonna put positions, so to say, on them. You know, somebody stay in the middle, somebody stay in the right. I'm. I would just say, you know, because I'm the, you know, the manager of this team. You could say me picking the plays. I would just say you're the midfield four. Talk with each other of who's playing where. Just you know, shift along the pitch, move and switch positions with one another, and make a very really fluent midfield. So the first one I have, Declan Rice. Again, another person against his former team playing really well. A goal, an absolutely stunning goal and two assists. The next midfielder, Souza, managing to get a goal against Luton in their win against Sheffield. A very big win for Sheffield in that game. And I thought he played particularly well. Also got a goal, but he did give away Luton's penalty and Luton's only goal. But I thought he was that midfield player who really linked the game together. The final two midfielders I have in my team is Bruno Guimaraes and Gallagher, both with two goals, both playing really well. Again, linking the passes, doing what midfielders should do, and especially them two, slightly more attacking. Obviously Gallagher more attack. Obviously Gallagher more attacking then Bruno Guimaraes as he just has that bit more freedom but two goals for the both of them to guide their teams, four wins, so very deserved places in my team of the week. For my forward line, I have got Harvey Elliott right wing and I know what you might say, oh, he only played half the game, you know, only came on the second half, how can you put him in? Well, he got two assists, well, only got given one bit in my eyes to assist and really change the game for Liverpool. I think if he wasn't on, then we could have been struggling big time to find the goals to put us in front and yet really just change the dynamic and the attacking threat for us. In at the left wing, I have Willian. He only managed to get an assist in the game, but he was a danger threat throughout the whole game. I know you might think, oh, you could put, you know, Bobby Reid a goal and assist but I just thought Willian was very, very good. You know, same with someone like Barkley. Always plays well, but doesn't get that golden assist. But this game especially, I thought Willian played very well and deservedly gets into my team of the week in at left wing. Then in my striker spot, who else but Erling Haaland? Hasn't scored in a while. Got a brace against Everton to give Man City the three points. And yeah, there's not much else to say. Two goals, played very solidly. When he got his chance, he took it. So that is my team of the week. I will run through it again. Goalkeeper, Onana. My three centre-backs, I have Saliba, Gabriel and Collins. My midfield four, Rice, Souza, Bruno and Gallagher. Like I said, very intertwining, switching During the game, if they, you know, were to play a game, this team. My forward line, Harvey Elliott right wing, Willian left wing, and Haaland striker. Players I thought a bit unlucky to not make the team. Mikayo Saka, two goals, and if I didn't go for Liverpool, would probably be in there above Harvey Elliott. But I thought Elliott deserved to get that spot on the team of the week for me. You know, giving Liverpool the win. So what can I say? And I can't have him in two two, two times in a row. <laughs> Another player, I thought unlucky to not make it. Muniz, two goals in their 3-1 win for Fulham against Bournemouth. But I thought Haaland was better. And for a Fulham player, I thought Ann played exceptional. Norgard, a bit unlucky, got the goal for Brentford to put them in front and get him off on the right track against Wolves, but so many midfielders having a good game, and he just couldn't make his way into the team. And that's all we have time for the second episode of Backline Banter. I was going to do my top 10 fullbacks in the Premier League currently, and supplied rankings, but I'm running out of time, so I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you for watching and listening. If you haven't listened to my first episode, I would really appreciate it but I don't blame you if you didn't because I do think the second episode is a lot better than the first but you know, got to put in the foundation and then go for the next one but it would be really appreciated if you gave me five stars, did anything you can to help the channel, gave me some feedback as well what you think what you like about these segments maybe or what I talk about because constructive criticism is very key for making things better. Anyways, I hope you guys have a good one and peace.